0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you've tuned in to Healthcare Insight. Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about health reform ideas from both the Republican and the Democratic platforms, described the good, the bad, the ugly, the pros and the cons. Well, one of the areas out of the Republican platform and concepts of health reform that I really want to focus on this week, and depending upon how far we get into it, maybe even next week, and it's something that most Republicans talk about, but I'm not sure they really fully understand, except maybe if they have one of these items themselves, and that is a health savings account. We talk about it all the time. I've talked about it over and over again in many of the broadcasts. But other than sort of a cursory description, we've really not gotten into what is a health savings account. How does it work? So what I'd like to do is to go to a website that's from a company that really has probably the best information on health savings account in the form of questions and answers. And I want to go through that. It's a company called Connect Your Care. Now, they don't sponsor this program. I know some of the people who've worked there. I've given presentations at conferences where they've been present. But otherwise, they have nothing to do with this program or this particular segment. But I found their information very good. And you can go and read it yourself on their website. It takes a little digging to find it. But sometimes it's better just to talk through all of this information and hear it verbally than to try to read it. So I can go through this material and make comments along the way. So I give all the recognition to this information to connect your care. They're very strong in the health savings account business. And that's probably why they've got some of the best information. It's not that there are not other sources. You can Google Health Savings Account and go to all sorts of sources. But I really want to focus on Health Savings Account. And so I picked out what I think is one of the best explanations of it. And there are five different areas we ultimately want to get into. So let me just lay out those five areas and we'll go through them one at a time in a lot of detail. And I hope that you'll be able to come back to this podcast and review it or go to the website or send in your questions to America's Web Radio and I'd be glad to answer them in more detail or get you the best information or resources you can. But the five areas that we're ultimately going to talk about. Number one, health savings accounts, the basics. We'll just lay out the basics of what healthcare care savings accounts are and then we'll start to get into the weeds a little bit more. What's going to talk about These HSA or health savings account eligible expenses. What are eligible expenses? What are not eligible expenses? If you have these dollars sitting on the side that you as a consumer, as a patient can use. The third area is about contributions and investment options. Because contributions may be coming from your employer. What can they do? What can you do? What can other third parties do in terms of contributing to these accounts? The fourth area is talking about health insurance coverage itself. Is there a required type of coverage in order to qualify to set up an HSA? What happens if you lose that coverage? What happens when you change? What about your spouses? So you can see there's a lot of detail we need to get into for people who want to understand the value and the strength of health savings account and why it's being promoted so heavily in many programs that want to give more power and authority and responsibility back to the individual And then the last area we're going to talk about is using that savings account. What can you use it for? What can you not use it for? What if you don't use it? How far can it accumulate? So, again, you can sort of see there's a whole list of areas and questions that we can really delve into. So I'm going to try not to bore anybody listening in here about some of the really in-depth in the weeds. So I'm going to skip through some of the areas that you might find more detail, and I'll just reference you back to other websites or to this website again to get uh, additional information. So let's start. Health savings accounts, the basics. First question is, how does an HSA work? Well, let's talk about funding. Let's assume that you've got an employer plan as we go through this. So you and your employer may contribute. To an HSA on a predetermined schedule throughout the year so you have a monthly contribution that you're each providing. What about accessing funds? When you have an eligible health care expense, pay for them with your payment card that you'll have associated with that HSA account or pay out of pocket and request a reimbursement online Or using a mobile app. Most organizations would have that if you actually have or won an HSA. You'll have online and you'll have mobile app uh, potential for that reimbursement. Remember always to keep the receipts that you have. Even if they're not needed for submission and having a third party substantiate that they're really properly identified medical expenses. That whole concept is called substantiation. So you may not need those for substantiation, but keep those anyway because you may need them for an IRS audit because you can't just pull out HSA funds for anything. You have to have qualified medical expenses, and we're going to talk about that in more detail. So even if you don't have to submit them to the insurance company for reimbursement or don't have to give them the banker to say, here's why I'm taking money out of my account, you need to keep those in case of an IRS audit. How to request a reimbursement? Well, when you don't use some payment card that may have been given to you, it's quick and easy to submit requests for reimbursements and upload receipts online or use some mobile app. So most companies would have that capability. You request a reimbursement and you'll get it through an online receipt or through a mobile app. Just transferring funds from whoever is holding those funds those HSA funds. What about the reimbursement processing? Well, the company you're working with that is establishing and helping you with your HSA, whether it's Connect Your Care or somebody else, they'll promptly process your request and reimburse you either by check or direct deposit if you sign up for that feature. So again, lots of flexibility on getting reimbursements. What about account management? again, most things are online these days. Log on to your online or mobile account regularly to check your account balance. Review claims activity and access other valuable tools that may be there, giving explanations for healthcare expenses or alternatives on your HSA. So that's how it basically works. That's really not a difficult process. It's set up to make it easy for you. You'll have a card or you'll have a mobile app Well, you'll have an online request. All that information is going to be very easy for you to work out with your HSA. So who qualifies for an HSA to begin with? Well, you must be covered by a qualified, what they call, high-deductible health plan, or HDHP, to be able to take advantage of HSAs. An HDHP generally costs less than what a traditional health care coverage costs, So the money you save on insurance can then be put into a health savings account. Ah, now you start to see why some insurance companies have been resistant to HSAs because it's lower premiums that go to the insurance company and you get to save the difference and put it into a savings account. So you own that money. You as the consumer own that money and control that money in your HSA. Decisions on how you spend the money are made by you without relying on a third party or an insurance carrier. You also decide what types of investments you make with the money in that account, whether you, we'll we'll check on investment options later on, but you control the money. That's what many people who want government insurance don't want. They don't want you to have control and HSAs give you control over your own dollars while reducing the amount of money that goes to an insurance company and somebody else that makes those decisions. So what are the benefits of establishing an HSA? Well, there's tax savings to start with, probably the most important. An HSA provides you with a triple tax savings. Tax deductions are available when you contribute to your account and or tax-free income when your employer contributes to the account second area of tax benefit is it's tax-free earnings. So as your account grows, however you make your investments, those earnings are also tax-free. And then they're tax-free withdrawals when you're paying for qualified medical expenses. So it's considered to be a triple tax advantage. Well, what's another benefit of establishing an HSA? Well, general affordability. A qualified high-deductible health plan, as we said, which is accompanied by an HSA, typically carries a higher deductible, but lower monthly premiums. Savings are from lower premiums. Well, they can be put into the, your HSA account. They, that's where your funding for that comes from. So, yes, a higher deductible, but the deductible can be filled in with HSA contributions that are your dollars. Flexibility is another item. You can use these funds, your HSA funds, in your account to pay for current medical expenses or save the money for future needs. Money saved can be invested, and your account can grow through tax-free investment earnings. You also have control over how much money you contribute to the account and which expenses to pay from the account. So it's all under your control. So the last item I identify as a real benefit is ownership and portability. HSAs are owned by you, not your employer not your banker, not somebody else. They are owned by you. Additionally, accounts are completely portable, meaning you can keep your HSA even if you change jobs, change your medical coverage to some other plan, or become unemployed. What a great tool. Why would everybody not be in favor of this? It helps the consumer. It gives, it empowers them. It helps them fill in deductibles and co pays. It's monies that they have and they can set it aside and it's used now or in the future. You can accumulate it. You can invest it. HSAs are a tremendous opportunity to empower consumers and empower patients. Because patients, at the time they need care, will have the dollars to say, I want this kind of service or something is not covered under your plan. But you have HSA dollars and you can use those HSA dollars to pay for that service. Let me give you a quick example. What if you want some sort of a body scan to see what your calcification of your arteries are? That may not be covered under your plan. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But let's assume it isn't for the moment. Well, you could use your HSA dollars to do that because it's important to you. You know you've got a family history of heart disease, of atherosclerosis, and you want to have that done. And it's important to you, but your insurance company doesn't pay for it. So you do. You take that into account and you pay for it out of your HSA. What better use of those dollars? Well, let's take a quick break. and We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the next area. Of what are HSA eligible expenses? Now that we've identified, you've got enormous flexibility. Use those dollars for various healthcare expenses. So stay with me. I hope this is a good start to understanding HSAs, and we'll be right back. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight. You're on America's Web Radio. And we're talking about health savings accounts. We're diving into the details because this is a program that Republicans in particular have been pushing for a long time. A lot of people see it as a way to empower the consumer, empower the patient. And so it's worth spending some time, spending at least this week, going through some of the details of an HSA What it is, what it can be, what are eligible expenses, what plan design you have to have to go with it, what are your investment options, who really owns the account. So we're touching on all of that. And we've been through some of the basics of HSAs in our first segment. So in this segment, what I want to talk about are HSA-eligible expenses, now, just as a reminder, a lot of this information that I'm drawing from and commenting on is from a website that I found has very good questions, answers, descriptions of health savings accounts. That organization has no financial interest in this program, nor in me, but it's called Connect Your Care, and you can find it online yourself to find out about HSAs and other descriptions. So let's talk about HSA-eligible expenses. What types of medical expenses are eligible under an HSA? Good question. Well, the rules for funding and accessing funds in an HSA are legislated by the Internal Revenue Service and are tax-free only if the health care expenditures are literally for thousands of products and services that meet the approved health care expenditures required in something called section 1332d of the irs code now i know that's a little bit of a detail that many of you uh, don't really care about but it is the section that identifies what you can spend your hsa dollars on now that actually changes over time because it's not a law it's a regulation and things have been added and things have been taken off. So it's important to know where that is. And your insurance company or employer ought to be providing you with a list of those expenses that HSAs can be used to uh, be charged against. Well, what else? Well, qualified medical expenses under the HSA are defined as medical copayments or co-insurance long-term care costs, dental care costs, vision care costs, prescription medications, and over-the-counter treatments. HSA funds can also be used to pay for some post-tax insurance premiums like COBRA. That's the extension of coverage if you leave your employer that you can buy back, if you will, for a period of time uh, your employer coverage, but you wind up paying the full, full bill plus an administrative fee. And HSA dollars can also be used for long-term care premiums. So the examples of expenses that are not HSA eligible include things like gym memberships, nutritional supplements, cosmetic procedures, and surgeries of a certain amount. Cosmetic surgeries is what they're talking about. So next question. Are over-the-counter products eligible for purchase with my health savings account? So we've talked about things that are prescriptions. What about over-the-counter? Well, many over-the-counter items are eligible for purchase on a tax-free basis with your HSA account. And actually, recent legislation, uh, the CARES Act that was passed during this coronavirus sort of a the uh, economic support program that was passed on March 27th of 2020 um, says even these items will no longer require a prescription or a letter of medical necessity from a physician to be reimbursed tax- pre-tax. So you can see the stimulus package actually provided an additional flexibility for getting some of the over-the-counter medications in the past before this you had to require a prescription for an over-the-counter, which doesn't make any sense, we had to get a letter from your doctor that it was medically necessary. Now you don't have to do that. So that's a big change. Next question. What happens if I use the account for non-eligible expenses? Well, we just talked about what some non-eligible expenses might be or more focused on eligible expenses up to this point, but what if they are non-eligible Well, if you use the account for non-eligible expenses, the funds used for that expense will be taxed since their initial contribution to the account was tax-free. So in addition, if you are under age 65, you may be also subject to a 20% tax penalty. So you need to be sure that what you're spending for are eligible expenses. And your employer, your insurance company, should help guide that decision-making and understanding of what is eligible and what's not eligible. Next question. Who decides whether the money I'm spending from my HSA is for a qualified medical expense? So who who determines that? Well, the bottom line is, well, there should be information from your employer and your insurance company. You are responsible for that decision. And therefore, you should familiarize Familiarize yourself with what qualified medical expenses are, in that Section 1332D of the IRS code. You should also keep your receipts in case you need to defend your expenditures or decisions during an audit. So you can use your HSA accounts for things that you believe are appropriate for what I'll identify as qualified medical expense. You don't have to be a lawyer to do this. You just do it to the best of your ability and. Keep your receipts, and if you made a mistake, it'll come turn up in an IRS audit and you can correct it at that point. They're not going to throw you in jail for misunderstanding what's a qualified medical expense and what's not. You just need your own good judgment, and I think you'll be safe. But I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not giving you direct advice that's going to get you in trouble. I'm just saying be careful, check the information, check the sources that you might otherwise have, and do the best you can. Keep your receipts. New question. Can I use my HSA to pay for medical expenses incurred before I set up my account? Let me read that again. Can I use my HSA to pay for medical expenses incurred before I set up my account? So in other words, you have these expenses that would qualify under HSAs, but I don't have an account yet, so then I set one up. Can I go back? And the answer there is no. You cannot reimburse qualified medical expenses incurred before your account is established. So anybody in this business is going to recommend to you that you establish your account as soon as you're eligible to do so. Let's talk about the next question. Next question. Can I withdraw my money from my HSA account? Can I withdraw the money from my HSA account for other purposes? really important here. Do you want to go buy a bass boat? Do you want to go buy a TV? You got to be very careful because that's not going to be allowed, but you can withdraw the money from your HSA account at any time and for any purpose. So I say it's not allowed. It's not allowed to continue as a tax-free distribution. So you can withdraw your money from your HSA at any time for any purpose because it's your money. However, If the money is used for an ineligible expense, whether it's medical or non-medical, the expenditure will be taxed. And for individuals who are not disabled or over age 65, it will be subject to a 20% tax penalty. Big penalty. The only situation I can see without even would make any sense would be if you got a credit card that's charging a 25 or 30% interest and you're going to take that money out, it's going to be taxed and you have a 20% tax penalty, but you'll pay off a credit card that's accumulating at 25%. So it's not the purpose of HSAs. You don't want to do it. I see very limited uses for it. Even an example I gave, I'm not sure I would go down that road. Let tax-free money accumulate tax-free that you ultimately can draw out tax-free. because If you are 65 or older at the time of withdrawal, then you are free to withdraw money from your HSA for any purpose. So if you want that bass boat, wait until you're 65 or older. And you will have to pay an applicable income tax, but there will be no additional tax penalty. Now, I would... Not buy that boat because you should be saving for that someplace else. I would use those HSA dollars at 65 to cover the expenses you might have under Medicare or your Medicare Advantage program because you can't continue to add money after you're 65 and you're covered under Medicare. You can't add more money. So if you have some money accumulated at that point, save it and use it when you really need it for any deductible cost sharing or maybe you don't have dental. Maybe you don't have vision. Save it for that, and you can use those dollars tax-free in your retirement. That's what those dollars really should be thought of, any carryover dollars that you didn't use or didn't have to use uh, during your uh, traditional employment period of time. Well, I want to get into a couple more areas uh, before we finish up uh, today. I have two more segments to go to talk to you about the the wonderful things in HSA can do and how it can be utilized and how it can benefit you. I want to talk next about contributions and investment options. Now, most people don't think about investment options when we're talking about HSAs, but you should have some. Depending upon where your money is, if it's through an insurance company, they may have certain options. They may not have anything more than a a checking account or a savings account option for you to put that money in. It would give you very little return on it. But as those dollars grow from year to year and you're not using them for health care, you may have substantial amounts of money. In fact, you may want to pay out of pocket for some expenses rather than using HSAs in order to accumulate those dollars into the future. So I want to talk about that in the next segment. And then we've got some other areas we want to touch on, like the health insurance coverage. How do you use it to pay for health insurance? What about this high deductible health plan stuff we've been talking about. So there's a number of areas I think you're going to find important as we go through. So I hope you're getting a feel and a flavor up to this point, sort of the halfway mark in uh, today's uh, session on HSAs, that you understand more about eligible expenses, what they can be, what they're not, what you do in the meantime, how you can use over-the-counter drugs as well as prescription drugs, and how the change in tax law uh, this year has made a difference. So let's take a a quick break, and we'll be right back on America's Web Radio, and we'll talk more about health savings accounts and how they can be useful to you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and Healthcare Insight. We're talking about health savings accounts. There's so much to know, but it's really not that complicated. There are certain decisions you might want to make if you have a health savings account, how much money you want to put in, how much do you want to take out, and for what do you want to take it out for. What we want to talk about now is another decision, and that's about your contributions and your investment options with an HSA. So obviously the most important question might be, how much can I contribute to my HSA each year? Well, in 2020, the maximum contribution for employees with single coverage is $3,550. And the maximum contribution for employees with family coverage is $7,100. So the amount depends upon whether you've got single coverage Or you got family coverage. Not about whether you are single or you're married with kids. It's a matter of whether you are single coverage. In other words, you have just yourself covered under your employer plan because your spouse might be covered under her employer's plan. So what's going to happen next year? Well, in 2021, the maximum amount changes. For employees with single coverage, it goes to $3,600. So it increases from 3550 this year to 3600 next year. And the maximum contribution for employees with family coverage is $7,200. So we're talking about a substantial amount of money that can be set aside, tax advantage, triple tax advantage, and can be used to cover medical expenses like your deductibles and your co-pays and, and other qualified medical expenses. Now, individuals age 55 or older and not yet enrolled in Medicare can make additional what they call catch-up contributions, and that's up to $1,000 per person each year, which can provide extra help to many early retirees. So if you're 55 or older and you're not under Medicare, you can make additional amounts on top of the 3600 for single and $7,200 for family, remember that if you are covered by Medicare, whether it's because you're disabled, you're under age 65 or you're 65 or older and covered under regular Medicare or Medicare Advantage, you can no longer put any more money into your health savings account. We'll talk specifically about what do you do with the money that you might have accumulated to that point. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but... You cannot add to the account, but I can assure you it doesn't go away and you don't lose that money. So both individuals and employers can contribute to a health savings account. So it's not just you, but your employer can put in matching funds or put in the whole amount of the limit of thirty-six hundred and seventy-two hundred dollars and for a family. So normally there's a matching there. Um, Many times it's one to one, but can be different. There's no law that says what that contribution or matching should be, but many times employers will do that, and you can match their their amount. Or if they don't do half, you can do more than half. But unspent HSA funds roll over into the next year, so you it's not a use it or lose it situation. You put the money in. If you don't use it, either your money or your employer's money, you don't lose it. In fact, one of the real advantages of HSA contributions from your employer is that once it goes into your account, it's your money. Employer cannot reverse it, cannot eliminate it, cannot ask for the money back. It is your money. Now, note as we talk about these different limits, that the amounts are indexed annually for inflation. So that's why it's going up from 20 to 2021, and if you make a contribution for the entire year during your first year of HSA eligibility, when you might have only part of a year coverage, then you can remain in an HSA high deductible health plan and subsequently eligible for the HSA through the next full calendar year, or you must include the amount of this contribution above and beyond what they could traditionally contribute in gross income and be subject to the additional 10% tax. So let me clarify that a little bit because that was a lot of words. First of all, know that the amount is indexed annually. Secondly, if you have only part year coverage, then you must remain in the HSA and subsequently eligible for HSA through the next full calendar year or you must include the amount of this contribution in your gross income. In other words, you have to be covered for the full calendar year following any partial year. You can't just put in a lot of money because you're covered for one month. So here's a big question. What happens if I become eligible to contribute to an HSA mid-year? In other words, not on January 1st when many plans start. What's my maximum contribution then? Well, You may make a full year's contribution into the HSA even if you are eligible for only part of the year. If you make a contribution for the full year when you only had a partial HSA eligibility, you must then remain HSA eligibility through the last month of the following calendar year to avoid tax and penalty. So it's restating the answer to this question, what we talked about just in the previous question. If you make a full year's contribution in a partial year, you have to be through the full next calendar year so that you can avoid taxes and penalties on that first contribution you made for the partial year. So to be HSA eligible, you must be covered by an HSA qualified high deductible health plan or an HDHP and not be covered by any non-qualified health plans. Failure to maintain HSA eligibility for reasons other than death or disability for the required amount of time will result in income tax and a 10% additional tax on the contribution amounts attributable to the months before you had HDHP coverage and were HSA eligible. So you want to be careful about when you can contribute, how much you can contribute, and normally your employer or the insurance company will give you those guidelines so you don't have to worry too much about remembering the details of this. Just know that if you're only going to be covered for part of the year, there could be some restrictions on your coverage overall and that you have to be covered basically for the next calendar year as well. Most insurance plans start on January 1st and go for the calendar year, but that's not true in all cases. Many plans start on July 1st and other plans in between. So, If you think you may not remain HSA eligible for the required amount of time, you may choose to make a partial year contribution. That would be the maximum amount divided by 12 months multiplied by the number of months you're eligible to avoid taxes and penalty. So if you think you're not going to be there for the next full year, just make the contribution in that partial year equal to the pro rata portion of what would otherwise be eligible. Next question. Can I make changes to the amount I contribute to my HSA during the plan year? Great question. I start making contributions. Maybe I can't afford to continue that because some other emergency comes up and I need the cash. So the fact that it's tax deductible is great, but I need cash and I don't have the opportunity to get it any place other than stopping my contributions into the HSA. Well, the answer is you can change the amount you contribute to your HSA at any time during the plan year. So you have that flexibility. If you're changing the amount contributed via payroll on a pre-tax basis, then check with your employer because they're the ones that take the money out of your payroll. So if you want to change, you're going to have to take some action with the employer because it's coming out of your your paycheck in all likelihood. So they've got to change the payroll deductions. Now, you can also make non-payroll contribution changes using your contribution center in your online account. In other words, if you have an online, if you have an app, many times those apps will allow you to make the changes in your contributions, and you don't have to go uh, to your employer in the, for the payroll deduction you're, you're getting it through another mechanism that's not really through the payroll. You're having it taken out after your payroll or you're contributing it on your own after you get your, your payroll check and you can make changes online. So this option allows you to make cha- or change contributions on a recurring basis or even on a one-time basis. So keep in mind, you've got a lot of flexibility, whether it's coming out of your paycheck directly or whether you're getting your paycheck and then making a contribution You still get that tax deductibility uh, at the end of the the year when you're doing your federal income taxes for April 15th. You'll get that amount you contributed to the HSA separately um, from your um, taxable income that might be reported on W-2. That makes the strong point. You don't have to have an HSA through your employer. You have to have the insurance coverage that makes it eligible to have an HSA through your employer. It has to be a high deductible health plan. But let's say your employer doesn't make any contributions into your HSA. They don't set up an account. They don't provide any administration. They don't provide any assistance. You can go to your local bank and open up an HSA account there. And after you get paid by your employer, you can take and put money into that account. And it will ultimately be another deduction off of your gross income when you go to do your final taxes or your estimated taxes. So can your employer contribute to that HSA? Yes, contributions can be made by you, your employer, or both. All contributions are aggregated to determine whether you have contributed the maximum amount or not. We gave those numbers a little earlier. If your employer contributes some of the money, you can make up the difference to that maximum. If your employer makes a contribution to your HSA, the contribution is not taxable to you, the employee. It's excluded from your taxable income. Well, what about this catch-up that we talked about, <coughs> Jimmy, a little earlier? What's the catch-up uh, contribution options that might be available if I'm over 55? Well, individuals 55 and older who are covered by HDHB can make additional catch-up contributions each year until they enroll in Medicare. Again, once you're enrolled in Medicare, you can't make any more contributions into your HSA. So the additional catch-up is a fixed amount. It doesn't change with inflation each year. And that additional amount that you can do is $1,000 each year. So if you turn 55 partway through the year and had HGHB coverage for the full year, you can make the full catch-up contribution regardless of when your 55th birthday falls during the year. So, for example, my birthday is in November. So, if I turn 55 in November, and only part of the year am I over 55, I can make the full $1,000 contribution. So, if you did not have an HDHP coverage for the full year, you must then prorate your catch-up coverage Contribution to the full number of months, you were eligible. So in other words, if I start coverage in July and my birthday is in November, I can only put in that half a year coverage from uh, July 1st as my catch-up or $500. Well, again, we're covering a lot. I know it's a little bit in the weeds for some of you, but others I know you're interested because you want to utilize your health savings accounts to the maximum. You want to be sure you're doing it right. You want to be sure you've got the control over the dollars that you've been given to spend yourself the way you want to do it. But we're up against time now. Let's take a quick commercial and we'll be right back and finish this section on health savings accounts. Up. You're listening to America's web radio on the Americas broadcast network.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to our final segment. On Healthcare Insight. Today we're going through the whole process of understanding health savings accounts, HSAs. Everybody talks about them. A lot of people are encouraging them. A lot of people support them, but not everybody knows all the details about them. And for those listeners today who may have a health savings account and really want an education or some additional understanding or a reinforcement of the things that You're familiar with a health savings account. I hope this is all really helping you. So let's take this last segment and talk about using your health savings account. Now that we've talked about setting it up and the contributions to it, how it kind of works just from the basics, let's talk about how you could actually use your health savings account. And so let me continue with the question and answer sections that many of these you can find on that website I've been mentioning, uh, Connect Your Care. But I'm going to try to make some commentary and add to it along the way. So first question, how can I find out my bank balance, my account balance, and review transactions? Well, account balance and claim status information is typically available in several ways. If you've got an outside vendor, who specializes in health savings account. Maybe your employer has set it up with the insurance carrier that is doing the processing and work for the um, employer. Or maybe you have an outside independent organization. But most organizations would have a mobile app. So use that mobile app. um, Or log into an online account at any time for your balance information. All that should be available with whoever your vendor is. And those mobile apps and online accounts are secure. The industry has been very careful, and you never know what would happen with uh, cybersecurity and hacks and all that sort of thing, but these are as secure as your bank accounts would be at a Bank of America or any other major bank. Or I'm sure that there's a customer service line. You can call at any time for some uh, bank balance information if that's what you want. So check any card that you might have check the information on your debit card it probably has a, um, a telephone number that you could call to get what your uh, your balance is cuz i know that many of you don't even think about it once money's put in there you haven't had any health care claims it may be a pretty good while before you have a claim and you're wondering oh, now what 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 is my balance in my hsa do i have any money left so it's not for many people not an ongoing daily process where you would check like a uh, stock Uh, accounts or a bank account. It's um, a separate account you've set aside and you don't always have a lot of interaction with it. Um, So how will I be able to use my HSA funds? Well, you typically will receive some sort of a payment card to access your HSA, kind of like a debit card. Uh, You can also pay for eligible expenses with any other form of payment and request a reimbursement Again, online or through the mobile app. So if you want to write a check, pay cash, keep your receipt, and then ask for reimbursement from your HSA uh, vendor or your HSA bank. Uh, You may even have direct access if you've done it separately and just go to your HSA account and draw that money out, uh, keep your receipts, and uh, it's tax-free money that went in and it's tax-free when you take it out. So next question. How long do I have to use my HSA for eligible expenses? So many of you, over time, you've been putting in money for one year, two years, five years, and maybe you haven't had any claims at all. But you've been accumulating that either with your own deposits into the HSA, or maybe your employer is also putting money into the HSA. Well, you can use your HSA to pay for eligible expenses incurred at any time after you've opened your HSA account. There's no time limit between when you incur qualified expenses and when you withdraw the corresponding amount for your HSA. I'll give you a good example. You might pay cash and not draw the money out at all for 20 years. Keep it in there accumulating tax-free until you're age 65, even though you've had medical expenses that you could have used your HSA dollars for, but instead you are looking at it maybe as a retirement account that's accumulating tax-free. And after age 65, you can take those dollars out for anything you want. It doesn't have to be medical expenses. So maybe for many of you, it might be worthwhile to never access the HSA until you turn 65. But of course, it's always going to be there if you have a need or use for it before then. Now, Some people call... Uh, And pay uh, for their current expenses out of pocket so that they can invest their HSA money and grow the account for future use, just like I I mentioned here. And you can accumulate it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years if you want. Just Keep your receipts for those things that you have um, uh, legitimate potential withdrawals that you decided against. And then if somewhere down the road, you're strapped for cash. You can actually go back and withdraw all that money tax-free from your HSA account at the point that you may need it instead of just when you have claims. So what happens if you leave a company or retire during the plan year? Well, HSAs are completely portable. As we've said before, once you have those dollars in hand, they're your dollars. That means you retain ownership of the funds after you leave your employer. If your employer paid the administrative costs, you may be responsible for them after you terminate your employment or otherwise your services uh, all remain the same. So you're putting money in whoever is managing your account. Maybe it's a bank. Maybe it's the insurance company uh, a subsidiary that's handling it while you have insurance. Now you leave your employer. You don't have that insurance anymore. Uh, your employer, which you may not even know, maybe have been paying an administrative fee. So when you leave, you might have to pay an administrative fee. If you have it with a local bank uh, that you may be putting money in, and you're in total control of those dollars, but your bank may have an administrative fee for having that account as well. So you'd be responsible uh, for paying that if uh, you keep it where it is and there is such an administrative fee. So another question. Can I use my HSA for my spouse? The answer is yes. Funds can be used to cover qualified medical expenses for the account holder as well as the account holder's spouse and dependents. So you accumulate the HSAs based upon the coverage that you have, the amount that you're allowed to put in. But if there are additional expenses from your spouse or dependent, you can use it for that. Next question. What happens to my money in my HSA after I turn 65? Well, many of you may be near that time. Maybe you have already turned 65 and you want to know what you can do with those accounts. Or you're young and you say, well, gee, if I just accumulate this stuff, never take it out, what happens at age 65? Well, let's answer that. You can continue to use your account tax-free for out-of-pocket health expenses. When you are enroll in Medicare at age 65, you can use your account to pay Medicare premiums, Deductibles, co pays, and coinsurance under any part of Medicare, A, B, or D. D being the prescription drug benefit. If you have retiree health benefits through your former employer, you can also use your account to pay for your share of retiree medical insurance premiums. So you've been accumulating it, you've got coverage through your employer when you turn 65. They'll typically charge you a premium, which may be taxable income to you, but you can pay for those premiums that they would otherwise charge you with your HSA dollars. Now, you cannot use your account to purchase a Medicare supplement or Medigap policy that is not allowed. Once you turn age 65, you can also use your account to pay for things other than medical expenses, if used for other expenses, the amount withdrawn will be taxable as income, but will not be subject to other penalties. So that's the point at which you can take money out if you want to go buy that bass boat. But it doesn't come out tax-free; it comes out without penalties. But it would be taxable income, whatever tax bracket you might be in. So individuals under 65 who use their accounts for non-medical expenses must pay that income tax just like you would if you're over age 65 but the fact that you're under 65 you would have a penalty of 20 percent of the amount withdrawn so be careful about when you withdraw the money and what you're using it for now another question that typically comes up for many people is can i borrow against my hsa you're cash strapped you have an expense can you borrow against it well You're not able to borrow against the funds in your HSA, but you can withdraw money from your HSA at any time for any purpose. If HSA funds are used for an ineligible expense, whether a medical or non-medical, but it's ineligible, then you have to pay income tax on the amount that you withdraw. And for individuals who are not disabled, you're not over age 65, there's also going to be a 20% tax penalty. So you really don't want to borrow in essence, against your HSA because it's not really borrowing; you just be taking money out and then it's taxable. So it doesn't help you. You can't, in the sense of normal borrowing, you can't take it out and then put back money in, and then you don't have these penalties. They're gonna they're gonna hit you with the penalties. So if you are 65 or older at the time of the withdrawal, then you can you are free to withdraw the money from your HSA for any purpose. And you may have to pay the actual income tax, but again, there is no tax penalty. So that's the final uh, word on all that. Let's take one more question here. What happens to my HSA when I pass away? Well, you have a right to designate a beneficiary or beneficiaries to receive your re- remaining HSA funds when you pass away. If your spouse is a designated beneficiary of your HSA, it will be treated as your spouse's HSA after your death. If your spouse isn't the designated beneficiary of your HSA or the beneficiary is your estate, then the account stops being an HSA and the fair market value of the HSA becomes taxable to the beneficiary in the year in which you die. If you do not designate a beneficiary, the funds will be distributed according to the rules outlined in whatever your custodial agreement is with the vendor you're using. So if you have that, you have a spouse, you wanna have your HSA beneficiary designated as your spouse so it can continue as an HSA with all the tax advantages. If you don't make that designation, it's likely that those HSA funds then will have to be taxed at the market value it then is for whatever beneficiary or is money going to your state. So be careful about what you do with your HSA there's lots of flexibility on how you can use your HSA, when you can use it, but there could be some tax and, and expense consequences to it. So you can check with your accountant. You can check with your administrator, but find out exactly what your situation is. Know what your amount of your funds are. Know how much you're putting into it. Uh, the ideal is to put as much as you can reasonably afford because it's good to have that locked away. So that, that lockbox concept so it's not readily accessible to you. Uh, it is accessible, but you really lose some of the benefits of putting money in. So put money in that you're not going to need for otherwise, except for healthcare expenses. Well, I hope this hour has been very helpful in getting some of the questions answered about this concept of HSAs. Everybody talks about it. Everybody uh, likes the idea on the conservative Republican side, giving more power to the consumer and this is the idea that will be expanded under any kind of uh, health care reform that, especially, the Republicans are able to put forward should the elections turn out in their favor uh, this November. So I hope this helps. Let me know. Come back next week and we'll talk about some more issues on health care insight. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.